1: Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews. That would be you. It and sounded like you had a
0: question mark on
1: Shameless. <laughs> so you're like,
0: welcome to Shameless? I was I trying think. to mix up the tone.
1: <laughs> um, I am Zara McDonald, and as always, we have producer Annabelle Lee here. Hello. <laughs> the tone
0: worked,
2: as <laughs> always. <Zara. laughs>
1: Thanks, guys. Coming up on today's show, Mish, I'm going to be pretty honest with you. We're going a bit lower today than we are. Hi. <laughs> the honey badger saved a sheep from a wire fence. And was that all it was? going to take to win back the hearts of Australian women plus the Sydney socialites making headlines Will Smith talks non-monogamy with GQ and then another very intriguing mailbag this week would you tell someone you don't know i.e. an influencer if you saw their partner cheating on them
2: Ooh. Oh, that's so juicy. I
1: yeah, love it. Can you tell Annabelle's been off the last couple of days and doesn't know what we're talking about? The sugar
0: hit. I can't wait for the sugar hit that will be this episode. Yeah, I'm mean too. But first, Michelle, how was your week? My week was good. The Bulldogs lost the grand final, so I had a very, very upset fiance. <laughs> oh, we shouldn't laugh, should we, Annabelle? Sorry, I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? was
1: Oh my God. <laughs> that, I was like, you sounded like that guy <laughs> off the Simpson, you know, with the guy with the big hair. Oh, Sideshow Bob. 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 Yeah. Anyway. How did she sound like sideshow
0: Bob? <laughs> Maybe she didn't, but this is obviously a train wreck already. So quickly get back to the grand final. Well, speaking of train wrecks, my weekend was also a train yes. wreck because it was the long weekend. Great to have a relaxing three days off. Only we spent the entirety of Friday, nervous for the grand final. All of Saturday, nerves, like nerves, to the point where Mitch couldn't eat. He was Aww. silent. And thankfully, I have a fiancé that when he is anxious or when he is stressed about something, he cleans. That's all he wants to do. Doesn't want to eat, just doesn't want to <laughs> I'll marry him. <laughs> he, just, he just wants to vacuum. He just wants to clean shelves. He wants to like do his little gardening thing outside, like headphones on, cleaning for the whole day. So didn't speak to him all of Saturday. They lose very, very badly on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, did not get a word out of him. He was completely silent the entire day. This is why I fundamentally believe that you should never be passionate about
1: things. <laughs> I think <laughs> it just breeds too much sadness. You cried about the Olympics. I like, know. Four times. I'm saying it from experience. It's too much of a roller coaster. No, I had a weekend where I know you didn't ask and we're not there yet, but I felt very much this weekend, as I do lots of weekends, that I could never be a professional sports star. Mm. Like I watched the grand final and I was watching
0: the ability. You just don't physically want to do it. Well, it's the same as acting. I could have acted. I just chose to be here with you two. Um, anyway. For those who are new to the show, Zara once said she could have been Margot Robbie if she put the effort in. No,
1: I said, it's troubling to think that I never did drama, so I will never know. That's what I said. It's just been twisted ever since. No, the reason I feel like I could never be a professional athlete beyond the talent thing, which I obviously don't have, is I was watching Melbourne kick away from the Bulldogs and I was like, okay, we'll just settle now. Like, we don't need to kick away so much and make them feel silly. Same goes when we were watching the F1 and I was texting you and, oh God. Oh, the F1. Now I'm going to have to give a lot of context about the F1 and everyone's going (laughs) to fall asleep. But this guy called Lando Norris was driving. He's never won a race before. He's very, very young. Lewis Hamilton, you know Lewis Hamilton, Annabelle. Yes. You know, going for his 100th race, coming second. And I thought, Lewis, you can win your 100th race another time. Do not overtake Lando.
0: Well, Lando had never won one. He's like 22 years old. He's our favorite boy, apart from Daniel Ricciardo the Australian. Lando is Daniel's teammate for McLaren and he's like just an angel. And I thought, just give him the race. Why not? (laughs) Yeah, He didn't give him the race. This is why I could never do it. (laughs) I wonder if we gave anywhere near enough context for people to be on the same train as we are. I I got it. I think they will get it. Absolutely. Do you have a recommendation this week? I do. And like your recommendation last week, I enjoyed this. It's not the best thing I've ever listened to, but sometimes we struggle for recommendations here, guys. I want to recommend how male order marriages work on stuff you should know. I only dip into stuff you should know every now and then, like half the topics don't really appeal to me. The other half I find quite interesting. This is the history of mail order marriages in America, particularly with Ukrainian and Russian women and American men. Very, very interesting. I had no idea how far back this went and... I guess the right side of this and also the very dark underbelly that comes with male order marriages too. I know nothing about this. So I actually feel like this does sound pretty interesting. Yeah, it was good. It's about an hour long. I just recommend it if you're struggling for something to listen to because I find myself dry on podcasts at the moment. A lot of podcasts are crime and that doesn't really appeal to me.
1: Yeah, I'm a bit dry on podcasts too. That's why I'm not going to recommend one this week. I'm going to recommend a crime TV show. Both ooh, of your favourites. Crimey, sort of crimey. I have been watching Vigil on... On binge Annabelle i f- finished it I haven't so don't say anything <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't heard of Vigil Vigil is a story that is set in a submarine so it is testing my claustrophobic skills because or my claustrophobic
0: fear because watching people in a submarine is not easy if you don't like type spaces I could just imagine the smell of a bunch of people living in a submarine would be rank. Well, I think the thing about submarines is, <laughs> sorry, <this> submarine is, <laughs> expert,
1: <laughs> I'm just like, I kind of forget that they're real. Like they're not something that's in fantasy. Like you, mm. you watch inside this submarine and you're like, oh my God, this is how some people live. Anyway, what happens in this submarine is this detective is sent from her police station into the submarine to investigate the death of someone that's died because they don't want to end the submarine's mission. So this detective is just plucked into the submarine and has to Find out how this guy died without being able to contact anyone from the outside world. They can only send her messages in, but she can't contact anyone outside. Right. Line of Duty
2: vibes, right? Yeah.
1: It, yeah. There's
2: <laughs> One of the guys is in Line of Duty. Oh, is in this show. It's a
1: BBC One. So you've got like a few former Game of Thrones
0: stars, all of that kind of vibe. Will my heart be beating through my chest as I watch?
1: I have to sometimes sit on Instagram at the same time to sort of balance it out, but
0: that is me with a lot of shows. I don't like being stressed. Classic cancer energy. Yeah, is that classic (laughs) cancer energy? Sure. I don't think any of us like astrology enough to know that. i found myself on astrology TikTok and now I get all those videos where it's like how a cancer would react in a certain scenario, so I'm pretty sure that is big cancer vibes. I did see a TikTok the other day of what a cancer would do if they were kidnapped and put in the back of a van and you would be the one, apparently, based on your star sign, or to try on a TikTok, <laughs> <laughs> to talk to the kidnapper and try and convince him to have like empathy for you, which is such a you thing to do.
1: What convince people to have empathy for me? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds quite manipulative, and I love it. We are jumping into our first segment of the show. We are
0: starting with the Honey Badger and him saving a sheep this week, Michelle. We are. So, if you missed it last week, the former Bachelor Nick Cummins, also known as the Honey Badger, of course, uploaded a video to Instagram of him saving a sheep caught in a barbed fence. Not going to lie to any of you, I did have to send the video to my brother-in-law who grew up in a farming family and ask him, what animal is this? Because I looked at it and thought it was a goat. (laughs) I think I thought it was a lamb. You thought, yeah, aren't lamb oh, and sheep I'm the same? <laughs> oh, they are lamb a baby sheep. Oh, yes. what do you know? <laughs>
2: what do you
0: know? It was a remarkable video. Yeah, well, it was epic because what happened was Nick Cummins was driving alongside his girlfriend. They saw a sheep have its neck trapped in this wire fence and kind of, it was really rocking back and forth trying to get itself free. Nick Cummins pulled to the side of the road, took off his seatbelt, ran to go help this sheep and was just incredible. Like just came to life, knew exactly how to kind of disarm the sheep and make the sheep really calm by the way he was holding its ears and its legs. He clearly has grown up on farms at some point in his life. Yeah, because there's
1: absolutely no way you or I are having any idea what to do in a scenario like that. What was interesting is he posted this on his Instagram and then it was obviously sort of reposted around the traps. But the one video that was kind of most watched when it was reposted was on Twitter by, like, the right-wing columnist Rita (laughs) Panahi. Do you know her? She works for the Herald Sun. So Rita, who has, I have to say on the record, some questionable opinions from time to time. A lot of hot takes about Meghan Markle on the occasion too. you can only imagine. Posted this video of Nick Cummins and on Twitter, but at the time I was researching this, had 16 million views on her post alone.
0: Yeah, this went wild. I didn't even see it from her her post either. I saw it from this like random Twitter account called like men posting their wins. Uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a Twitter account. (laughs) So it just went wild online and it really did beg the question particularly when we shared it on our own channel Zara because this video is such an uplifting video you see him save the sheep from the fence then you see him haul the sheep over the fence and the sheep kind of gallop off into the paddock and give out a very grateful bar as it goes off. We were like, okay, we've got to share this. We've got to show it to our listeners. And our listeners not only lapped it up, but a very interesting conversation was sparked in the comments section of did we treat Nick Cummins unfairly and where the hell did all the hate for Nick Cummins come from anyway?
1: Yeah, so what was really interesting is there was this comment from a listener called Elodie who wrote this under our post. She said, this is a genuine question and I hope it comes out the right way, but why did he receive so much hate for not choosing either woman at the finale? Isn't it better that he was honest with them and himself rather than leading either of them on? I could very well have missed something, so please let me know. Now that comment was liked more than four four hundred and sixty times and if you are listening from this not from Australia the crux of the story is that Nick Commons was the bachelor in the last episode he didn't choose either of the women and it was a big deal at the time there was a lot of hate and you're right Mitch there was this conversation that kind of happened back and forth and I texted you even before I saw this comment but kind of considering the video being like Were we too harsh
0: on Nick Cummins or were we not? Yeah, well, our listeners were irate when he didn't choose a woman in the Bachelor finale. There was such an outpouring of anger and I remember feeling so viscerally about it as well. Like, we recorded an episode (laughs) on a Sunday night. This is when we were releasing on Monday. We recorded the night before just to get an interview with Nick Cummins on the project and include that in the episode. Like that is how much of a big story this was and how desperately we wanted to cover every angle of it. I think there are a couple of things going on here. Like I think it's so
1: interesting looking at this with hindsight because it shows how much we cared about The Bachelor and how little we care now. Like it almost feels like our anger was unjustified because we have no passion towards The Bachelor these days and therefore how could we possibly feel the way we once did. Yeah. I think also, I mean, the more I've thought about this, I'm like, would we prefer a guy to be honest than a guy to do a Lockie Gilbert and tell two women in the finale that he he loved them both? And I think for me, I would prefer a Nick Cummins. So Mm -hmm. I think in that way too, his crimes feel less severe because there are people who, in my opinion, have done worse. But more than that, I do keep thinking, I actually do think a lot of the anger was a little bit justified the more I've kind of unpacked Mm. this because it's easy to say we were all nuts, we were all caught up in the hype and I do believe that to some degree. But I remember us very well getting on this microphone and actually talking not so much about him but talking about his management who would have kind of brokered this deal. He was paid a lot of money. Who wasn't telling him that Mm. he needed to pick someone in the end because that's what the whole Australian public expect and are invested in?
0: Yeah, well, thinking back to the time, I think my anger was that he had received hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. He had signed up for a show where the whole premise is that you are ready for love and you are ready to find love. And yet the reason he didn't, in his excuse anyway, was that he wasn't ready. Like he didn't feel like he could commit. He didn't feel like he was in that place in his life, which is like, well, you're willing to pocket the cash, but not actually be ready for what you've promised us that you're ready for. That all in mind,
1: because I'm like a wish-washy kind (laughs) of like washing machine today, it is really interesting looking at these stories a couple of years on and kind of considering these people a couple of years on who were such sort of public enemy number ones and think like, God, it must have been rough for them. Like, no matter what happened, like, God, it must have been rough for particularly someone like him, who we don't know personally at all, but you can kind of glean what his personality is like from watching him on TV. Mm. And you can imagine that this really would have rattled him, like a, a simple guy who simply wants to save sheep on the side of the road
0: being thrust into this really big public storm.
1: And it was like a perfect storm, wasn't
0: it? Yeah. And I think we've also heard from a lot of Bachelor contestants who have struggled after leaving the show, like from that golden era like Matt Agnew has been public as well about not feeling the best or not doing the best immediately post filming and post the show airing so it'd be interesting to know what it was actually like to be Nick Cummins in that moment I mean it took three years for a video like this to come out and to redeem him What is it about men doing like very farmhand stuff that is just so sexy? This was like one of our most popular posts on Instagram in a very long time. I know it's such an archaic sort of subconscious (laughs) thing isn't
1: it? I don't want to unpack that. (laughs) I I think we just leave it right there. Coming up after the break, the Sydney socialites making headlines. Will Smith's very interesting comments about his marriage with Jada and then one of our more intriguing mailbags in a little while. But first, a word from today's sponsor.
0: And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle, Zara, what the hell did we speak about? Hot, <laughs> hot for the honey badger, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> that was you, sister. <laughs> what have you got for us?
1: My first story, Linda Evangelista says she is deformed after cosmetic treatment. That is from The Guardian. This was a really, really interesting story around this week. So, If you haven't heard of Linda Evangelista, she is 56 and she was one of the most recognised and well-paid models of the early 1990s. She graced the cover of over 700 magazines and she was actually part of the what we called at the time the Big Five, Mm -hmm. which was like the original 90s supermodels alongside Cindy Crawford, Christy Turlington, Naomi Campbell and Claudia Schiffer.
0: Yeah, which is interesting because a lot of these models are still coming back and walking on runways now, like given all of the 90s nostalgia that people have been adoring, the big five have been making returns for certain brands, particularly brands like Versace. So Linda Evangelista is also very, very famous, and I'm sure you guys will have heard this quote before. For telling Vogue, we have this saying, Christy and I, we don't wake up for less than $10,000 a day. Yeah, she was forced to apologize for making that comment, which is hilarious to
1: me. I don't know. People were genuinely offended by it. I mean, she was a woman in the 1990s who was probably just saying something to Big No herself as a joke she's also said it was a joke and people forced her to apologize which I find quite remarkable like if you're good at your job say it. Fucking amen
0: as well like (laughs) go for it I'm so jealous.
1: (laughs) So in the last five years Linda Evangelista has made very very few public appearances like she was a notable absence from that very famous Versace show that you touched on Mish where a lot of them got back together in 2017 to walk the catwalk with Donatella Versace mm. in it. And people did start to sort of wonder where is Linda? Now, on Thursday, she actually wrote on Instagram that she was planning to sue the company behind Zeltec's cool sculpting procedure. Now, I hadn't heard a lot about this before, this story, Mish. It's basically a non invasive fat reduction treatment. That is frequently marketed as like an alternative to liposuction. And she's suing the company that did this procedure because
0: she said, and I quote, it left her brutally disfigured. Right. So she did write this on Instagram. Today, I took a big step towards righting a wrong that I've suffered and have kept to myself for over five years. To my followers who have wondered why I've not been working while my peers' careers have been thriving, the reason is that I was brutally disfigured by Zeltic's cool sculpting procedure, which did the opposite of what it promised. It increased, not decreased, my fat cells and left me permanently deformed, even after undergoing two painful, unsuccessful corrective surgeries. I have been left, as the media has described, unrecognisable. Yeah, so the media has sort of
1: been taking like the odd pap shot of her in the last couple of years and just calling her unrecognisable, but we've never quite got the story of what happened. And so basically what she says happened is she developed something called PA hate, which is called paradoxical adipose hyperplasia.
0: Good work, Sarah McDonald. Nice. That was very nerve wracking before I was reading that. <laughs> I could out. see the stress on your face.
1: <laughs> and basically what that has done is it's caused a gradual enlargement of the treated area. So it's done the opposite of what she signed up and paid for it to do. And she said that PAH has not only destroyed her livelihood, but sent her into a deep cycle of depression, profound sadness, and the lowest depths of self-loathing. In the process, I have become a recluse. Wow. So a really sad story. I felt really, really sad reading this over the weekend because I think Here we have a woman whose entire livelihood depends on how she looks because it's how she's made her career, her money. And she's also part of a world that has told her time and time and time again that the thing working against her is her age, right? And so she's done exactly what the world has basically subconsciously told her to do, which is try not to look old, try not to look your age, try to fit a mold of what you looked like 20 years ago. She's paid for those procedures. They've gone backwards. And now she's now a recluse and in the depths of this depression because of that, like It just feels one of those hopeless stories where it's like,
0: God, it sucks to be a woman. Yeah, it really sucks. Like, it's so unfair because you can't also imagine this happening to a man in the entertainment or modeling or beauty industry. Like, men's attractiveness, we have this whole narrative of like the silver fox where men are allowed to age, men are allowed to look whatever age they actually are. Whereas Linda Evangelista and women like her, feel this pressure like they have to look 20 years younger.
1: Yeah, it's a really hard
0: one. But I think what was
1: lovely about this post, I think, is A, she felt confident enough to talk to the world about it now. B, hopefully can live a little bit less of a reclusive life now that the world are across it. And she can start to take the power back by suing the company that did this to her. So let's wait and see. My second story, socialites at war. Best friends Nadia Fairfax and Kristen Fisher fall out after Eyebrow Queen's cocaine scandal just months after she was a Bridesmaid at the influencer's multi million dollar wedding. That headline, of course, is from the Daily Mail.
0: <laughs> and guys, it goes without saying, this is a lowbrow story for us. <laughs> like, there's n- no one's going to be gaining brain cells as we talk about this, but we'd be lying to you all. We'd be frauds if we didn't include it because we both clicked so fucking fast this week our fingers were moving at lightning speed.
1: Yeah, I cannot disagree with you there. So who are the main players here for those who aren't across this story? We've got Nadia Fairfax, who is 32 and well regarded, Mish, as one of the most high profile, if not the most high profile Sydney socialites. She's a fashion blogger and a model. She's the daughter of Russell Fairfax, who is quite an iconic and legendary Australian rugby player. Earlier this year, she married her partner and... It was like the most intriguing wedding ever because you knew she was getting married, but we didn't see the photos for months later because it turned out her photos were being published in Vogue and the wedding looked incredible.
0: Looked incredible. Daily Mail did kind of foil the Vogue exclusive just a little bit. Daily Mail had paps at yeah, the so wedding. True. I forgot about that. Yeah, who shared photos before Vogue could get their spread out. So that's Nadia. We also have Kristen Fisher. She's 36 years old. She is Nadia Fairfax's or was Nadia Fairfax's very close friend friend. She served as a bridesmaid at the March wedding. She has been close with Nadia for a really long time. She also owns the Double Bay beauty salon called Kristen Fisher Eyebrows. Yeah, I feel like a few people
1: might have seen that handle floating around on Instagram. Now, Kristen Fisher has made headlines in the last sort of couple of weeks because she actually failed to show up to a court date after being charged with possessing cocaine. So she was caught in her dealer's car buying cocaine. I don't know what it is with cocaine and lockdown and people getting caught right now but there's a lot going on. There's
0: so much going on. So here's an excerpt from the Daily Telegraph's report. They wrote, Fisher failed to show up to Waverley Court on Tuesday after being charged with possessing a prohibited drug three months ago, with her lawyer saying she did not know about the court fixture and subsequently lodged documents to annul the conviction. So basically... She didn't rock up because she wasn't there. The court handed down a guilty verdict because there was no defence.
1: Yeah, it seems odd that someone doesn't know about their own court date. That's the only thing I'm going to say. I just physically don't understand how that happens. But regardless, the stories that have followed are not just that she failed to rock up and not just that she's going to fight this, but that now her friendship with Nadia Fairfax has fallen apart. So the Daily Mail, as the Daily Mail does, did its sort of investigative journalism, worked out that they'd both started unfollowing each other on Instagram and reached out to Nadia Fairfax facts about this to say, in the wake of this conviction, Are used to friends with Kristen Fisher. Nadia gave this very intriguing quote. What you're speculating is factually incorrect. Kristen and I have had a wonderful friendship over the years, and I continue to wish her well throughout her current situation. And no doubt you'll hear the same from Kristen. I had no prior knowledge of the cocaine incident and found out just like everyone else through the media.
0: Interesting. Ooh. Have had. It's have done. had. Have had. And also, you saying that you wish someone well is not how you would speak about a best friend. On another note, one separate thing that raised my eyebrow about this story is that I was a little bit surprised when I saw the very, very first report about Kristen Fisher not appearing in court and being convicted of drug possession. I was just surprised because Kristen Fisher is not a massive socialite. She, in and of herself, does not have the biggest profile. Of course, she's a very successful businesswoman. She has 19,000 Instagram followers. I'm just a little bit murky on the details as to how major newspapers caught wind of this story. Like... She's just not a big enough celebrity to warrant those articles. So I want to know, did someone tip them off that this was happening? And if that's the case, I would love to be a fly on the wall, really.
1: Yeah, there is a lot going on in this case and also a lot that doesn't quite add up. My third story. Angelina Jolie and The Weeknd stepped out in matching black outfits at their usual dinner spot. That is
0: from InStyle. Yeah, so this has to be one of the more unexpected love matches of the year. Are we sure it's a love match? I think it's a love match. So if you've missed this, I mean, we haven't really spoken about this on Shameless because the first time we saw The Weeknd and Angelina Jolie at dinner together, we were like, surely not. Then they were papped at a concert together and we were like, "Mm, probably not. They've been papped together again and they've left in the same car. So we finally think there might be something here. If you missed the headlines this week, they went to the Italian restaurant Giorgio Baldi in Santa Monica on Saturday night. They spent two and a half hours inside in a private section of the restaurant before leaving the dinner together in the weekend's car. Now, according to the Daily Mail, they wrote it up like this. Angelina hopped into the back seat of the weekend's waiting black SUV and they drove to his $70 million Bel Air mansion. I'm into
2: this. Me too.
0: I'm surprised because they're in very, very different stages of life. Like Angelina Jolie is a mother of six. The Weeknd doesn't have any kids. She's 46. He's 31. 15 year age gap. Very different spheres. Like he's in music. She's an old school movie actress. I'm just surprised. I'm really surprised. This is an unlikely
1: pairing. I'm not going to lie. That's why when you pitched this to me, I was like, are we sure they Dating and not just friends,
2: but I love it. Yeah, do you love it, Annabelle? I do. I'm picturing the weekend playing Angelina like his new song and her, and yeah. they're giving him some like very smart critique, <laughs> <laughs> just bopping along. Yeah.
1: My fourth story: Will Smith says Jada Pinkett Smith marriage is not monogamous and both have had other sexual relationships. That is from the Independent Mish
0: one of the better celebrity profiles this week out of GQ. Yeah, absolutely epic. I feel kind of bad that we didn't actually give GQ the credit for that. We just quoted The Independent, which was a (laughs) write-up about it. But if you're wondering why Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith are everywhere this week, it's because Will is doing promotion for his upcoming memoir. So it's titled Will, and he recounts the very candid story of his life. So naturally, that includes a lot about his career, how he became famous, how he became extraordinary. Extraordinarily wealthy, but also the story of his very high profile family. He has been married to Jada Pinkett Smith for 23 years. And wow, some of the quotes he gave to GQ were fascinating.
1: Like an incredible profile. I actually haven't read one this good in a really, really long time. So we'll put it in our show notes. I 100% recommend anyone go and read this because there's just so much in this profile that we won't even be able to touch on in this story. I mean, one of the first quotes that I found really, really interesting, and so did you, was this one. During his first meeting with an intimacy coach he spent years working with, Smith confessed that if he could have anything in the world, he would want a harem of girlfriends. Who, the coach demanded, insisting he named specific women he'd want to invite to his harem. Misty Copeland, Smith replied, and Halle Berry too. For the rest of the session, the two of them researched specific women who could round out his aspirational harem. The plan was to then begin
0: contacting the women. Bizarre. <laughs> like, I know. Imagine seeing a life coach and then be like, what's your life aspiration? You'd be like, a shitload of girlfriends, thanks. He did go on to say that it was all a bit of a Jedi mind trick. I think the life coach didn't actually want him to go out and source new girlfriends. He said, I don't know where I saw it or some shit as a teenager, but the idea of traveling with 20 women that I loved and took care of and all that, it seemed like a really great idea. And then after we played it out a little bit, I was like, wait, that would be horrific. I was like, can you imagine how miserable... He then went on and
1: said what she was doing was essentially cleaning out my mind, letting it know it was okay to be me and be who I was. It's okay to think Hallie is fine. It doesn't make me a bad person that I am married and I think Hallie is beautiful. Whereas in my mind, in my Christian upbringing, even my thoughts were sins. That was really the process that Michaela worked me through to let me realize that my thoughts were not sins and even acting on impure thought didn't make me a piece of shit. Mm. That now makes more sense to me. It took me a little bit though, going through the profile to be like, what the fuck is going on (laughs) here? But reading that, I'm like, oh my God, he clearly has a lot of guilt about the things that he's even thinking about and working Mm. through that has been huge for him.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like that guilt really held him back from experiencing the happiest marriage he could. He did say that in his 40s, and when Jada Pinkett Smith was in her 40s as well, they just repeatedly encountered severe marriage trouble, like really struggled to see eye to eye. He gave this really interesting story of Jada Pinkett Smith's 40th birthday and how they had such a huge fight that Willow actually came into the room bawling her eyes out and said, I can't, like, I can't take you two yelling at each other anymore. And she was like 10 years old at the time. Yeah, super young. So he's very candid about all the issues that they've had. And he said one way that they have rectified those issues is actually embracing non-monogamy. They don't just sleep with each other, or at least have had patch in their relationship where they have had an arrangement to make the marriage open and he credits that – to being one of the reasons that they're far happier now than they used to be.
1: Yeah so his quote is Jada never believed in a conventional marriage. Jada had family members that had an unconventional relationship so she grew up in a way that was very different to how I grew up. We have given each other trust and freedom with the belief that everybody has to find their own way and marriage for us can't be a prison and I don't suggest that road for anybody but the freedoms we've given one another and the unconditional support to me is the highest definition of love.
0: Now this is a big deviation away from the narrative that we were fed by this couple just last year. So, listeners might remember that there was a bit of a cheating scandal or a love sex scandal between Jada Pinkett Smith and the musician August Elsina. Yes. August is considerably younger than Jada Pinkett Smith. He came out and said they had a years long sexual and romantic relationship with the approval of Will Smith. Now, when Jada Pinkett Smith got on, to Red Table Talk, she said, oh, we were in an entanglement. Will and I were not together at the time. She was very, very clear to say that they were separated. They weren't sleeping together. This was like a separate relationship she had when her marriage to Will broke down. Now, people found that very, very confusing. This was turned into meme culture, like entanglement was wild last year on Twitter and on Instagram and on TikTok. It seems like the couple maybe observed how the public responded to that and went, you know what, Maybe we just need to be honest that, yes, she had a sexual relationship with August and it went for years and Will gave permission because we've had an open relationship and have for a very long time.
1: I think one of the most interesting quotes from this piece actually came from the journalist Wesley Lowry, who wrote, When you tell the truth, the pair reasoned you never have to fear being found out. And I was like, this very much reads to me, particularly everything that I imagine is going to exist in this book of Wills, that is suddenly like, I am just going to put as much as I can be bothered Mm. out there so that I kind of don't have to deal with shit anymore. And it's like a really interesting way to go about it because I think most of the time I would think the more stuff you have out there, the more people are looking for and the more focus is on you. But I think Will and Jade are at a point in their careers where they're so high profile and of an age where they kind of have the confidence to be able to do this and be like, we're a big enough deal now that we can tell you the truth, now you can fuck off.
0: I think as well, when you have the reputation of being an open book, which he certainly does, particularly after this GQ profile, people tend to trust you because they go, well, he hasn't hidden much from us before. Like he's been pretty candid. Why would we not believe him when he tells us this now?
1: Yeah, they just seem fascinating and also like a couple of incredible people. Like Mm -hmm. I know celebrity profiles these days are rarely incredibly scathing, but this was very glowing, so... Just 10 out of 10 recommend. My fifth story, a bit of a darker one. R. Kelly, R&B superstar, facing decades behind bars after being convicted in New York sex trafficking trial. That is from ABC News. So the singer R. Kelly has been found guilty of all charges in his sex trafficking trial in New York. He was found to be the ringleader of what was a decade-long sex trafficking scheme that preyed upon black women and children.
0: Yeah, so R. Kelly has been charged with one count of racketeering and eight counts of violating the Mann Act, which prohibits transporting people across state lines for prostitution. He now faces up to 20 years in jail. Prosecutors said Kelly is a predator who used his inner circle to ensnare underage girls, young men and women for decades in a sordid web of sex abuse, exploitation and humiliation. To the victims in this case, your voices were heard and justice was finally served.
1: I think when it comes to this story after the 2017 Me Too movement, much of the commentary focused on the fact that it was a bit of a white woman movement, that a lot of the the stories that we were hearing were kind of one type of story. And I think for a lot of the survivors of R. Kelly's abuse, this is a really kind of salient time because it's finally time where their stories are heard too. And not only are they heard, but he has been found guilty. He will face a lot of time in jail and people are recognising their pain, which I think is just so, so crucial. Absolutely. And my sixth story, we don't usually do six, but I couldn't not include this headline today. We also needed to end on a bit of a sugary note, I think, in true quick and dirty fashion. And this is about as sugary as (laughs) I could find because this was the silliest headline I could find this week. (laughs) Alex Pike makes a big for wag stardom as she starts liking Queen Bee, Beck Judd's Instagram post, <laughs> as former second-in-command Nadia Bartel goes silent after white powder scandal. <laughs> that is from the Daily Mail. Second-in-command. <laughs> like, what is this some army people? Like, there's some <laughs> army set up who've got Lieutenant Beck Judd. Is that even at the top? Anyway, so I saw this article straight away and I was like, what the fuck is going on <laughs> ever? Like, what is going on? Basically, if you're not across this or if you're not from Victoria, Alex Pike is the new partner of the former Collingwood coach, Nathan Buckley. He is one of the greater players to have ever played. And he has a new partner. Her name is Alex, as I just said that sentence twice in two different (laughs)
0: ways. (laughs) Thank you so much. So this is a quote from the piece. Ambitious upstart, Alex Pike appears to be making a bid for stardom by aligning herself with the scene's queen bee, Rebecca Judd. The cosmetic nurse, 44, went on a liking spree of Rebecca's inspiration Instagram post last week in a telling sign the two women are growing closer.
1: (laughs) If you wrote an article about just the photos that I liked and used that as proof that I was getting closer to people I would have far more friends than I do. <laughs> also, what do we think about calling her an ambitious upstart? I find that incredibly sexist. A bit yuck. Yeah, it's super yuck. Anyway, the article went on, A blossoming friendship between Alex and Beck could easily be on the cards as the pair both have
0: experience in the health and beauty market. <laughs> oh, Beck yes. was a speech pathologist. Yeah. What are they talking about? I don't know. <laughs> they went on, <laughs> Beck Judd's endorsement can make or break the social careers of would-be wags, but it remains to be seen if she will officially embrace Footy's latest debutante. Following her liking spree, <laughs> can we also just get some facts into this story? Nathan Buckley has not played football for maybe fifteen years. Yes, he's not even an AFL coach <laughs> anymore. He was le- like he walked away from the club this year. Alex Pike is not even a wag. She d- isn't dating anyone remotely related to football anymore. Also,
1: what what do we constitute a liking spree? Like, she liked a couple of the photos. How do people even find this? I don't know. You've got to go looking for shit. You've got to want to create your own story genuinely, create your own story and dig to kind of find evidence to prove your hypothesis. If... This is what's going on. Like, they've gone, we need to write a story about Alex Pike and Beck Judd and second-in-command Nadi Bartel (laughs) and find a way to tell me that story. So it's about a liking spree. My God. The Daily Mail way. (laughs)
0: That is it for today's Quick and Dirty. Thank you so much.
2: Hmm. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words.
0: All right, guys, we have another submission to the Shameless Mailbag this week. Let's open it up. Annabelle, do you want to do the honours and actually read this one out to us? Sure.
2: All right, this listener says, Shameless girls, help! I recently came across evidence that an influencer I follow is being cheated on by her boyfriend. On the weekend, I was sent a photo of him kissing another girl in the club. I've gone through his feed (laughs) and think I've matched up the shirt he's wearing in the pic to a shirt he was wearing in another photo he posted in January. Mm. But it's hard to tell if it's him for sure because the photo I have was taken at night and isn't the best quality. That said, based on the facial hair and side of his face, I'm 95% sure it's him. I have followed this influencer for years and was so happy to see her in what looks to be a healthy relationship online. She posts so many loved-up photos with her boyfriend and gushes about how happy he makes her. But after seeing this photo, I'm convinced that he's not in their relationship for the right reasons. I don't know how to break the bad news to her. I've toyed with the idea of setting up a burner account and sending (laughs) her the photo. But for some reason, that feels wrong. How would you tell her if you were in my position?" Thank
1: you. Oh <laughs> yeah! Look, we do go through the mailbag every week to see if there's something that we want to answer, and this one was definitely one <laughs> mish that we were like, "This is quite an intriguing one." I mean, first and foremost, has this happened? I mean, I'm going to ask you, has this ever happened to you? But I know it has because it's happened to both of us. When I say that... No, 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 no. Let me clarify. (laughs) We've been sent photos of like other people being like, oh my God, this influencer is cheating on this person or this former reality star is cheating on their partner. A bachelor person.
0: We had a long-term bachelor couple. One person involved in the couple apparently this was a photo of that bachelor contestant kissing someone who wasn't their partner. But it was a
1: very much like this question where we were looking at the photo quite a lot being like, I don't know for sure if this is a thing. Like, mm. I can't tell for sure if this is the person I'm thinking of. I was like 90% sure. I mm. feel like you were the same. Yeah. But we were like, it's just too hard to tell. But it's a very bizarre thing to see something like this allegedly transpire in a public place. Like the place that this was meant to be happening in the photo that we were sent was like one of the biggest bars in Melbourne, like one of the biggest pubs in Melbourne in the middle of it. And I was like, surely this would not happen. Surely they're not making
0: out on the dance floor of the Espy where every man and their dog (laughs) is. Sorry, I was just trying
1: to pull back on some of the details here.
0: (laughs) It's fine, it's fine. No, this has happened to us. And I think when it did, this would have been 18 months ago, Zara. We looked at it and then we didn't do anything with it because it just felt... Odd, too gossipy, too murky. Like, even 90% sure isn't really not enough, enough for me. No, it needs to be 100%. And I think that is my first gut reaction. We should probably do gut reactions to the email itself. My gut reaction is if you are saying to us, I am almost sure it is, I think the quote was, I am 95% sure it's him. is not surety. Like I need 100%. You saw it with your own eyes. You know this happened instead of someone sent me this photo and I'm pretty sure.
1: I actually don't think 95 is enough. For me
0: in this case, I actually don't think
1: 100% surety would be enough for a stranger. And this might be a very unpopular opinion for some people listening to this, but we'll tease out kind of why we think the way that we do. I don't think 100% surety is enough because you don't know this person. And I think maybe when we were younger, we would have felt a bit differently, Mish, being a bit more brash about it and thought, no, everybody deserves to know the truth. I'm going to be this big truth teller. But it's like, Who are you to think that you know enough about the nature of this relationship and how this person is going to respond? Is that
0: how you feel? Yeah, it's a difficult one. I think definitely don't message at 95%. Definitely don't message if you didn't see it with your own eyes. I think kind of getting secondhand information is a tricky place to be in and not the most reliable place to be in either. If you were 100% sure, I think I would still err uh, on the side of caution and not send it. I think something that I've learned the older I've gotten is not my circus, not my monkeys. Like, is this a problem that you want to involve yourself in? Do you know enough about this relationship simply by following someone online to know the ins and outs of it and to insert yourself into a potential headache. Like at 23, when we first launched Shameless, I think I would have gotten on the show and made a whole conversation or a whole argument rather about how if it was me, I would want to know, I would want someone to tell me. I don't know if I believe that. I think the older I get, the more I'm like, just live your own life and let people live theirs. And unless you know them personally, and you are a friend who can deliver this information in a really healthy, safe, nurturing way, don't do it particularly don't do it if you think the only way you can do it is to create a burner account. I think that is a massive red flag. If you are considering whether or not you should do something under anonymity, don't do it. Yeah, If you won't put your name and face to it, you know it's a bad thing to do, so don't do it.
1: Yeah, it's like unpack your own feelings about this. Like why are you drawn to doing it on a burner account anyway? It's yeah. like because you don't want anyone to know your name is attached to it. And it's like, well, that's the biggest red flag of all. It does pose this really interesting question of like who owes the information to other people. Like I agree with you. It's like this is information now I think that is for a friend to deliver. And the other thing is like if you've got your hands on this photo, surely... Don't you think that if it's being circulated this much, it would be making its way into the hands of the friends of yes. this person? And isn't it not their responsibility to deliver this information? I mean, we spoke about parasocial relationships the other week when it came to John Mullaney and Olivia Munn and that relationship. But I think it's really, really relevant here. I think because we sometimes follow people on Instagram and see their relationship play out on Instagram we feel invested in it and we feel like we know them. The reality is it's like, you don't know them at all. Like you know what they show you, but you don't know the other part of it. And for that reason, it's like, it's not your job to be telling them about this, I don't think.
0: Yeah. I also think as well, there needs to be some internal questioning in this listener who's reached out to us. Why do you actually want to reach out? Do you want to reach out because you find it titillating on some level that this person you follow with the perfect life actually isn't living the most perfect life in your eyes? Like I think sometimes when it comes to these stories, we tell ourselves that we want to reach out to public figures or we want to report on the stories and the private lives of influencers because they're in the public interest. But rather, I think we just find it a little bit titillating to be like, look at you being brought down a peg or two. And I think If you were that person, that influencer who opened up her phone and saw a fake account with a photo with not much information to back it up, like I cannot imagine the anxiety that that would plunge me into if I was the one opening that message. And even though you think your intentions are good, I'm not convinced your intentions are. It's really fascinating because it
1: reminds me a little bit, the other week you recommended an episode of Where's Your Head At, which is a podcast run by two former reality stars, one of which is Anna McAvoy. And she actually spoke about this. She spoke about when she broke up with her Love Island co-star, Josh, and it hadn't quite made news yet. And he was out and about, you know, like with other girls. She was being overwhelmed with people sending her stuff. And she found that incredibly confronting and mm. really, really difficult to be assaulted with information when they weren't even together. And I think having that in the back of my, your mind, it's kind of like, you kind of do this, like people want to do this. People want to send these videos and kind of be the truth teller because you're like, this person's human and they deserve to know. But part of me actually thinks you're reducing them and actually don't consider them human at all. Cause it's like, would you actually want this? If it was you, who do you want to hear this information from? Mm. Like, it's hard enough. I think being a friend, not someone that's, I've never actually had to do this, but it would be hard enough having to be a friend who delivers this news to another friend. And I also think it's hard enough if it was you to believe that friend, like you'd want to fundamentally believe Mm. they're lying. And that's a close friend. So imagine if it's coming from
0: a stranger, like why would they believe you? And a stranger who wasn't even there. Yeah, A stranger who's saying, I was sent this, it's nighttime. I'm pretty sure I've matched up the shirt. Like it's not quite enough. I also think there needs to be a line drawn here because I am in a few minds and I know some listeners might be hearing this and going, I would want someone to send this to me. Like I want information. I'm a big girl or big boy. (laughs) I could take it (laughs) and then make a decision for myself based on the information at hand. I see that to a certain extent. I know someone, I'm friends with someone who did find out their partner was cheating on them through an anonymous Instagram DM. Only that Instagram DM from that burner account was completely 100% sure. Like, I almost think the person who sent that message was the person that had slept with this girl's boyfriend. So I think that could be slightly different. Also, she's not a public figure, so there's not that titillating aspect. I do believe that's more out of compassion than it is anything else. There is another line as well that if you think someone's partner is actively causing harm to other women or is doing something that you deem to be reckless then that's a different story as well. I know that we have heard of stories before about influencers' partners where we have deemed it appropriate for DMs to be sent.
1: Yeah, the conversation we were having yesterday, it was very much when this kind of mailbag came through. It was like, okay, well, what is the line? Like, when is it appropriate, if ever, to message someone you don't know about something their partner might be doing? And the example that came to mind is I know an example of someone that I know friend of a friend of a friend, whatever, who did message an influencer about something because they deemed her partner's behavior to be pretty abhorrent about what he was doing and getting up to of an evening. And it wasn't to do with anything to do with cheating, but being very inappropriate with women. And I remember hearing that example being like, I think that's fair enough. Like, I think the difference in this case, and people might be wondering what the difference is in my mind, but the difference in this case is when it comes to relationships, you really don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but I do think people are owed information about their partners being terrible human beings. Do you know what I mean? Like I do find that a little bit differently and I don't know if I'm explaining it as well, but that's just how I fundamentally feel.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a difference between potentially cheating to potentially abusing or assaulting or harassing another woman. And I think that's a pretty clear line in the sand where it's appropriate to then reach out and be like, Hey, but I would say again, do it under your own name. Do it under your own name. Stop using burner accounts. If you think the information is worthy enough, and you back your decision to tell this woman or person the information you have, why do you need to hide? Be courageous. Stick your neck out. Like you're putting yourself into someone else's situation. You are making those monkeys your monkeys. Put your name to it. Do you think this is the advice our listener wanted to hear? I
2: don't. I don't think so.
1: I think that she wanted to be told to send it, and I think we've just gone so hard into saying
2: no. Yeah, Annabelle. What do you think? I wouldn't send it, but a part of me, if I was in the influencer's position, would want to receive, like, all messages just to know. I think, you know what's interesting about that
1: is I think you think that from the outset and then you talk to people who have had this stuff sent to them. Like, I've got a friend who's had a couple of messages sent to her before And I think I thought I would want it until it happened to her and saw how she responded. And then you're like, actually, no, I don't want this at all. I
0: think you also need to remember you are not the only person in this situation. Like, as we said, this photo is already circulating around. You are probably adding to what has already been a absolute tidal wave of people coming into this influencer's DMs. Like, what makes you different or what makes you unique when you weren't even the one there. This is just a circulating photo to you that a friend sent you. So I think as well, we have this tendency to put ourselves on this pedestal and be like, I'm the one with this information. I simply must share it. It's like, no, actually a lot of people probably have that information now and you will not be the first person to tell this influencer. If anything, this photo has gotten to a sibling or a friend or a cousin or something who can share this information more politely. If you need to message anyone, maybe use your personal account, message a close relative or a friend to this influencer and say, I don't want to ruin her day. I don't even know what to make of this. Maybe you have more intel. I'm going to give this to you.
1: Yeah, interesting. I'm fascinated by this because this is a predicament that, I mean, I imagine doesn't come up all the time. <laughs> but when it came through, I was like, oh, I. Yeah, do not send that, is my God. Mm. But I'm so interested in what our listeners think. We will be doing Your Say Friday this week. We didn't do it last week because it was our public holiday and we decided we should really properly take the day off. But we <laughs> will be on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We can't wait to hear your
0: thoughts. Yeah, exactly right. Guys, thank you so, so much for listening. If you want to support the show, head to our website. It's shamelessmediaco.com. You'll find a back catalogue of our book club episodes, of our scandal episodes. You can also subscribe to our newsletter. It drops every Friday morning. We've just launched a new feature called What I Wore, where a different shameless team member breaks down their favorite outfit every week. So subscribe, enjoy the fashion content. Yeah, we will be back in your ears on Monday with another episode
1: of Scandal. Bye. Bye.